Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hey, Anne-Marie Zanzel here with another episode of Queer Business Success. I'm so excited to welcome to the show today, Lana Mims. Lana Mims uses she, her pronouns, and she is a certified personal trainer and coach under her recently launched personal training business, Intentional Spectrum Fitness. Lana has been a personal trainer for over 16 years and has worked with a variety of individuals, including kids trying out for their first school team, competitive semi-pro athletes, and your neighbor across the street looking to be more active in pickleball on the weekends. Through intentional spectrum fitness, Lana is able to connect with more people and assist them in demolishing barriers and reaching new heights. I love that. (laughs) Great job, Lana. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Alana identifies as queer. And so I'd like to hear a little bit about your your queer story. <laughs> well, my queer story, I am from a very, very conservative Black family. Um, I was raised actually evangelical Christian. So it was, it was intense. It was very intense. I and I mean, I remember, I remember my first crushes when I was in kindergarten, you know, it, Mm -hmm. it was something that very early on, I knew about myself. I didn't know what it was called. I just was like, yeah, these are the people that I like. And like, that's just life. Nothing, nothing big or political or whatever about it. But, um, I actually, uh, was talking with one of my friends that we had a sleepover and we were ironically in her closet and I came out to her. And I was just like, we were just talking about who we liked, like who we thought was cute. And I remember I told her, I was like, actually, I think this one girl is cute. And I remember there was just a pause. There was a pause. To me, the pause lasted like a million years, roughly, give or take. Um, It was probably all of one second. But in that pause, I remember just like an overwhelming kind of fear of like, wait, something about what I said is different than what you have said and different than what I see around me. And I remember kind of vowing then at probably like seven years old, I was like, "Mm, I'm not going to tell anybody that again. Cause like, I feel very scared and very vulnerable. So then growing up, I didn't really say too much about it. I kept to myself within that, within that area. And, um, then did, you know, learn, oh yeah, that's called gay. And like, that's bad. And that's this and that. And so then I definitely closeted myself. But when I was in college, I finally um, had my first girlfriend and had my first heartbreak. Of course. And yes. And called my parents just boohooing. And they're like, are you okay? And I was like, I am not. And I was like, but also I can't tell you why I'm not. My family was just kind of like, Listen, you can tell us anything. 
we love you no matter what. So what's going on? I told them and they said, do you need us to come up to college just to like support you and be there for you? And I remember my jaw dropped because I was not expecting that as their answer. And I was like, yes, please. And they came up and saw me. And it's been it's been a rough go of it since with my family, but with my chosen family and the community that I have just become so tight knit with, that has been excellent. That's been freeing. I've been, I, I'm, I do drag as a drag king. I have hosted events and, you know, it just, I model for a queer underwear brand. Like within that community, it's been amazing and freeing. Family is still tough, but you know, it's, it's that like kind of love from afar type thing. So that's kind of been my queer journey is very closeted, unlearn some stuff. And, and it's so funny. I work, you know, I work with people coming out later in life mm-hmm. and um, so many times things happen in literal closets, which I think is really <laughs> ironic. And I think the universe is like telling a joke. Um, but I think there, that pause when we realize our authenticity, when we tell our authenticity to someone else. And how old were you, Alana? I was I seven or eight. Like I was very baby. young. You yeah, baby. I was a baby. Um, and that pause, and in that pause, you realize, oh, this is not something I can tell somebody. And I yeah. think so many of us have those pauses. Like for me, my first experience, like any type of like, sexual play experience mm-hmm. was with a girl but I like it, it I was raised very strictly religiously Catholic mm. um, and uh and like you know sex is bad in Catholicism it doesn't matter if it's straight sex or queer sex it's just bad. yeah and so and as a woman I'm second you know that's it mm, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm second so um the thing is is that in my life because I came out older mm-hmm. I filed it way under a shame thing yeah. And that same summer, I kissed a boy. And oh. that, that filed way as this pleasant little memory of being a girl growing up. And the other thing got filed away as like this shame thing. Dang. It wasn't until I came out, I realized, oh, that was perfectly appropriate for a young woman <laughs> to be doing that. Right. And, and, and I just like the pleasant little memory of kissing the boy was because it was like a kind of kiss you know uh, yeah no no tongue or anything nothing like crazy <laughs> yeah, nothing crazy and I you know and because that was the American you know the universal experience of kissing somebody for the first time and so I just filed it away it's like oh that was fine yeah and that's basically all my relationships with men oh that was fine you know good my relationship with my wife is like whoa this is amazing so right tell me how did you okay so you were a uh uh a division one athlete. Yes. Um, you come from athletic parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me what was, first of all, what was it like to be a division one athlete? Like, how was that for you? It's hard. I, know. I loved it. Oh, you no, did? I, I loved it. I had a blast. <laughs> yes. It was, it's, it's another community. It, mm-hmm. it is, it is very much so. Um, I mean, Part of it is trauma, probably trauma bonds a little bit, but like, yeah. like it, you go through some tough things, but as a unit and kind of all towards the same goal. So I loved my college experience of being a D1 athlete 
And I was on a unique team that our head coach actually put academics ahead of sports, which is like unheard of. And even the people that he chose to be on his team, it was very, it was a very specific type of person. Like almost all of us were, you know, like honor students or like really liked school, like did well in school, knew that it was important, had goals within it and were really good athletes as well. And that brought a lot of similarly minded people together. So our team, you know, I mean, I had doctors and engineers like on our team, just doing life. And I, I, I was not that, I mean, I was, I started in engineering, uh, aerospace engineering, but I got out of that. That was a, Real quick. a whole different thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I want to do this. This is not what my brain wants to do. Yeah. It was, it was different. And, and it was weird. Cause I had kind of an, an imposter syndrome moment because when I walked into the engineering classes, it was like, how many women are there? Not many. How many people of color, like black people were there? Even less. And I was like, ah, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Like it was a weird undertone feeling that I didn't realize until later that that's that, what I was That's a reflection feeling. Like, yeah. That's not a feeling you probably had in the moment. No, I didn't. I, I felt uncomfortable, but I could not, I could not like place my finger on why. I was just like, no, I like this stuff. I like this stuff. And then I was like, I'm nervous. I don't, I don't feel comfortable. And so that I stepped out of probably a bit prematurely, but I still, I still do think it was the right decision for me, but I liked because our coaches, my, my head coach, he would never have like a super early morning practice that would make you tired for your classes throughout the day. And then another practice later on, he said, all of our practices start at 2 PM. He said, before 2 PM, that is your time. That's the school's time. You focus, you do what you need to do. He said, 2 PM and on, that's my time. Yeah. yeah. So we get there after classes, get into practice. And I mean, like, I love physical activity. Like what it does chemically for me is just magic. <laughs> and so I love doing that. I love traveling to different track meets with you know, a bus full of my friends, you know, and going to compete and getting our butts kicked sometimes, doing amazing other times and just the connection and being in a hotel room and goofing around and going, walking across the street to go get something to eat while you're waiting for, you know, your bus to come to pick you up to go, go compete. And those type of experiences, like the bonds that we had and the dumb videos we made in hotel rooms doing just nonsensical things like I absolutely loved it and I loved competing and I loved my teammates so I had a grand old time I, I thought it was the best thing ever like I left college and was like can I go back can we reverse this like, <laughs> it sounds like you know it's interesting because your enthusiasm about describing your college experience is very rare and so I really appreciated like how you're like God, it was amazing. I have a 20 year old right now and he's not loving college. So it's like, it's the opposite. Yeah. Um, so, so did you graduate? What was your grad? What did you graduate in? Were you uh, like, 
Physi- physiology or something like that? So I actually, like I said, I started in engineering and then I actually had a heart condition and my sophomore year, I like it flared up really bad and like uh, put me in the hospital, had a procedure and all this stuff and the procedure didn't go well. So I had to switch my major and within switching, they were like, listen, you either are going to be like backwards and have to kind of almost restart in a new field because you were already taking engineering specific classes that don't transfer to anything else. Or you can have what's called a general studies degree. And I was like, what does that mean? And they said, you pick three emphasis areas to like study in and you have a general degree within that. And I was like, okay, well, sign me up because you also told me if I stay in engineering, I'm going to be ineligible for a year, but track is paying for my college. Like I'm on a full scholarship. So being ineligible for what's paying for college, won't that kick me out of college? Like, I was like, how does this work? And they were like, yeah, you need to be eligible. I was like, bet. So I graduated. Um, it was a, a bachelor's in art with general studies, emphasis area in engineering, biology, and wildlife science. So I liked a whole lot of science. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing is that when you're in college, you're supposed to really like become like you're supposed to explore and learn yes. things. Very few people actually, except for like the people that go in sciences, very few people stay in the career that they have when they're right. Doing. So how did you get into personal training? I mean, it's obviously a natural thing, but <laughs> so how did you go down that road and, and what part of your, when did you do something else first or did you go right into personal training? So personal training, I kind of almost accidentally went into it. Um, My brother is also very athletic and um, he is also a personal trainer. And when we would train together, I always, I ask questions constantly. Well, why do we do this? Well, how does this help? Oh, well, why do we do this instead of this? Why did you alter this when you heard me say this feedback? And within that, it became different between just, oh, one-on-one training, and then we'd add other people to it. And when we'd have other, you know, athletes there, other teammates would join, um, a lot of times my brother would just be like, hey, do these exercises and you lead it. You show them how to do it. You show So I would show them what to do and all, all these type of things. And that was still in high school. Then when I went to college, because of my very broad knowledge of what helped especially me and my needs and my weak spots after i after i did our team workout a lot of times i do just a little extra on the side to make sure that i was in tip-top shape well athletes started noticing that okay lana's having good success and she's doing this extra stuff that the coaches didn't tell us to do so they would start coming to me and asking me questions and so i would start creating little programs for my teammates in college and having them do just oh yeah well if this is weak on you do these three exercises this is how you're going to do it this is how you're going to do your sets and that's really what it grew from is learning from those around me and then implementing it and sharing that knowledge with whoever was around that i could help and that's where it started. And then one of the summers that I came back from college and just needed, you know, okay, I need to do a job. I need to do something. Uh, My brother said, why don't you get certified real quick? And I can help you just kind of 
get into a gym or get somewhere that you can help train people because like you naturally do it already. So I got certified and then haven't really looked back since. So that's why, you know, it's like 16 plus years. And I got some people because they don't know how old I am. They're also like, so you started when you were four? Like, I don't understand what you're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you definitely look younger than, what is it, 38 or so? 35. Yep, I'll be 36 this year. Okay, okay. Um, So tell me about your company. Yes, Uh, Intentional Spectrum Fitness. So my biggest thing is uh, I also was a teacher and I taught PE and I taught it for um, kindergarten to eighth grade. And even when we added junior K, so junior K to eighth grade. So four-year-olds to 14-year-olds. And I started noticing just like my first and second graders had weird ideas about food, about exercise, about health, about fitness. And it was things that I know they heard from their parents. And parents all the time, they're like, oh, I would never say that to a kid. I would never tell them that they're too big or too, but you look in the mirror and you say it to yourself. Well, and also to parents talk and kids listen. Yes. Parents talk to each other. And I talk to yourself. So I have kids, my sister and I, we used to like worry about our weight all the time. And um, which was ridiculous because I just put all our home movie movies on video and I'm like a size four in all of them. I'm like, yep. Yep. Why mm-hmm. did I do that? Why did I waste so much energy on that? And that's from Western, yes. you know? Um, but the thing is, is that we made like, we, like one day we looked at each other and the girls, my, my two young, oldest were like four and six at the time. And we said, we've got to stop talking about this in front of them. This is so damaging. So we intentionally stopped. So I get it. I get it. Yes. We were like, okay, we got to stop talking about this. Yes. Yeah. From the outside world. It, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's literally, it's coming from everywhere. And so when why I, I almost had like a panic attack, like it just broke my heart because I was listening to some of the kids and especially the girls. Mm-hmm. Like the messaging to the girls, it's it's more, it's just more, it, it, I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm listening to them talk, basically, and listening to them be like, well, fat is bad, carbs are bad, calories are bad. And I was like, how do you know these words? And I was like, as a matter of fact, what is a calorie? And they were like, uh, it's like when you eat, and you eat too much, you get too many calories, you know, like kind of an idea, but not, not exactly. And yeah. And I was like, okay, I know that I thought I was going to start like health and like information about that, like later on in the curriculum, I was like, but apparently my second graders need it right now. So let's learn about this. Let's, let's get the terms and things like that. And let's learn that everyone's body is different. Let's learn just the way my hair is a different color, different texture, different heights of kids. I said, we're meant to be different. I was like, oh my gosh, how boring would it be if we were all the same? You know what I mean? I was like, it's just, it's a spectrum and it's supposed to be in a a spectrum. It is intentionally different. And like within saying like things like that, it became where intentional spectrum fitness was how I understood 
fitness. Like every body literally is different. Thus, every fitness program is going to be different because our bodies respond differently. And that's great. That is, that is a gift. And I want to have people know like, hey, we get to, yes, like tweak some of the things of how like our body looks and things like that. But we should really be focused on what we're doing performance wise. What are we able to do? Am I, am I 50 years old and I can stand up and sit down easily without assistance, things like that? Can I go play with my grandkids? Can I do what I like to do? If I like to go on hikes, can I still do that? Can I do that for as long as I want to be out there? So I want it like everybody to really embrace and understand our differences and how those make us unique and beautiful and wonderful and that hey when we go to work out I'm not our goal isn't a number on a scale because I explained to someone I said since I quit stopped doing track and field I said I lost a lot of muscle mass I said but I've gained 10 pounds I said now mm -hmm. make that make sense and I was like when you look at me you're like, well, no, you're still muscular. And I'm like, but I'm less muscular than I used to be. And I'm like, so is it 10 pounds plus in fat? And if so, is that bad? Is that okay? I'm like, it's perfectly fine. Our body changes so much. And we have different, we have different puberties. We have different, you know, like everything oh, yeah. is so I mean, different. Like, I'm at the end of my fifties and the way my body has changed over the years, though I'm yeah. really happy with my body. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm what I'm, I have a question for you because, you know, you're in the lesbian community and, yeah. and one of the things about, so I wrote this piece when I first came out and like, like my wife, well, she was my girlfriend then, but my wife, um, like made me feel so beautiful and she mm. really didn't care that I wasn't, she would should I say, no, but honey, nobody wants a gnaw on a bone. And so. <laughs> yes, I like that. I like that. But, but the thing mm -hmm. is, is that um, when I left the world in which I had to look a certain way. Yeah. And I entered a world where my body was beautiful, even though when I learned to accept how my body, I was at the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it, I, I find that being in the queer community a lot of times, because we are outside what is expected about looks, that a lot of times it's a lot more loving and accepting of how people are just shaped all kinds of different ways. And so mm -hmm. thick girls or big girls are just, I mean, you know, last night, yesterday I had this, uh, a new, you know, somebody who talked, came to me for coming out. I mean, mm -hmm. for life coaching and she's, you know, um, she was a possible client and she was talking about how she was so big and not attractive and her husband was addicted to porn. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here but mm -hmm. I said at the end of the call I said first of all I want to let you know you're absolutely beautiful the way you are you know she, you know she's a bigger girl but like you're beautiful and mm -hmm. going out of this like heteronormative community you'll find that people women don't care yes 
<laughs> it, it's, it's it's amazing. Yes, and I have I found I found that within the queer community, the range of bodies that like people feel mentally more comfortable in is mm-hmm. much wider. Um, yes. One also because I do feel like it does give women, and, and I mean, and queer people, period, the mm-hmm. ability, think- yeah, the ability to present themselves the way they want to. So they're also wearing clothing that they feel makes them look good. And mm-hmm. they don't personally care about, well, well, this isn't the popular style or whatever, trending, blah, blah, blah. They're able to still completely be themselves within it. And that is definitely a gift within itself in the queer community. Yeah. And you do, you got, I mean, there's women. all kinds of sizes, women all over the place. Yes, just women. Well, it's just funny because a lot of the women I work with come from, you know, the straight community and mm-hmm. they're like, oh my God, I'm too fat. Who would ever love me? And I'm like, honey, that's like the last thing you have to Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to find, worry about finding somebody who's not crazy. <laughs> okay, wow. Move on. <laughs> so, uh, I digress. Okay. So, what is the biggest challenge of your business right now? Ooh, um, right now, I'm not going to lie. Honestly, kind of because of what is going on in, in the world, people, one, are kind of struggling economically. And then I, it's like so many people are burnt out and mm-hmm. so many people are almost like giving up on themselves, but they just, they're just kind of like, yeah, I want to, but like, have 50 other things that I am so stressed about that I couldn't possibly add this. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly, you know, be selfish and take care of myself in this moment. And, I, you know, and that to me has been one of the biggest things is just, I, some of my, some of my sessions recently have been more about talking. Like they just want to talk. They just have to, you know, decompress to a certain extent before they can even move forward. And um, that right now is a very unique barrier that has come out of this. My first barrier mainly was just getting in contact with people, yeah, reaching people. Out there yeah, getting, yeah. And, and that was, you know, that was my, that's my normal big uh, kind of barrier is gaining traction. Cause like it'll start going and then all of a sudden it kind of just like fizzles and you're like, okay. How come no one can see me anymore? All right, what do I need to do different? You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But right now, uniquely, I feel that um, that just people in general are struggling and having a hard time. And I completely sympathize with it. I mean, I lost like three or four of my clients um, earlier at the beginning of this year because they were just like, we can't afford it right now that just, you know, eggs are $9. I don't know what to do, you know, like things like that. And, um, that's, that's been a big barrier. Well, and I think that like, I I say this all the time, but you know, the pandemic has done a number on people and like, you know, the pandemic sort of ended and we just went back to life as what what it was. And sometimes I look back and like, did I live through that? Like that was freaking crazy. It really was horribly scary and it was crazy. And it was like, it was so, um, 
it separated us from our people and our communities. And, you know, I mean, we did the best, like we would, we have, a, my wife and I have a group of guy friends that are, we call them the gay mafia. They live out in California and we would have cocktail hour with them. And, you know, but you know, it was cocktail hour on zoom, you know, yeah. which was all we could do at that point. But yeah. You know, I think our, you know, one of the things is that the pandemic has taken a toll and I think it really tired and exhausted. And also with all the social unrest that's going on right now and all the hate, I think people mm-hmm. just want to like, are like turtles. Yes. And they're like, I'm just going to like sit right here and hopefully this will all pass and I can go out and live my life again. Because yeah, at this point, the only people who most likely feel safe are Republican ones, <laughs> you know, and that's about so, it. So yeah. disappointing. <laughs> so yeah, disappointing. Women, you know, we don't feel safe anymore either. You know, yeah. our needs are not being met. So what's the biggest success? I love to focus on success. Uh, biggest success. I, I personally think any, any, any time I can get a client to have a mental shift. That's my, to me, that's the biggest, I do, I do not care how much money I make in a year. It's, hey, do I have someone that now either looks in the mirror and is like, oh, I am unstoppable. I look so good today. I am just, oh, so fine. You know, like if I can have someone like that, then, then I've, 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 that's the biggest success ever. And when people start to have that shift of like, yeah, no, actually, like, I get it. Like, I don't know why I was stressing out over, oh, I ate, you know, a cupcake. I kept telling myself that, you know, certain food is a, a punishment, is a bad thing. And I'm like, listen, food is here for two reasons, either for fuel, only fuel, or for fun. Those are your two options. That's it. If you're not, if you aren't putting something in your body to either fuel it, because you're like, oh, I want to do a 5K. So let me put something in my body that responds well while I'm doing my 5K. It makes me feel good. Or if you're not putting it in your mouth because you're like, this is, look at how beautiful it is. And oh, these tastes. And oh, this is so much fun and enjoying it. Yes. Yes. It's very sensual. Food can be sensual and pleasurable. I love, when I I tell people I love food. Yes. Yeah, I I love love food. You know, my wife does, my wife has a limited palate. She grew up, you know, like raising herself, eating macaroni and cheese, you know, so nobody and stuff like that. And so like, but I love food. Like I like, like, and it's one, it's like one of the things I wish she was a little different about that. She knows this. I'm not revealing. (laughs) But I love food. Like I love exploring new foods and tasting new foods. And like, even like something looks weird on a menu. I'm like, okay, let me just try. Yes. Let me try that. Let me try this. Sometimes I don't like it and that's okay. But I love that pleasure of food. Oh yeah. My question for you is I have two questions to end up here. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of piece of advice would you give to somebody who wants to go into the personal training field? Hmm. Um, Probably first, um, really uh, educate yourself on personal training and the different venues and avenues that you can take to get there. Because um, sometimes I feel like personal training, like it's <laughs> it's very narrow in what 
people think it's supposed to be and understanding how broad and open and inclusive it can be. So definitely study and learn all, all different types of techniques and styles and things like that. And almost experiment with them. See what, okay, what do you like? What, what movements feel good to you? What has gotten you the results that you like and you want and go with that. And then also when you're, when you're gaining clients, ask them what they like, what they like to do physically. Like, oh, do you, do you like, do you like going on runs? Do you like doing this? You know, or what's, what is a goal? Do you want to be able to do like one pull up by the time that we're done? You know, like, you know, really, really figuring out what you personally enjoy teaching and learning. And then what your client also enjoys doing and wants to uh, accomplish. So for me, those are, that that's kind of my main advice is just as educate yourself on a broad spectrum of what physical fitness is and then have fun with it play around with it <laughs> mm -hmm. so if somebody is queer and wants to go into this field what's your what's your piece of advice for them uh, all the same things i'm sure you know yeah is there another piece that you would add right within that um lean into your community uh sometimes health kind of gets left behind within the queer community like absolutely because we, yeah, we haven't been able to, it's almost like we you know, haven't they, been. Yeah. The reason why they ask like your sexual orientation on like doctor's forms, like people think, why is anybody asking that and stuff like that? It's because I was a chaplain for years in hospitals. So I know mm -hmm. um, it's because people like, for example, lesbians have certain health issues. You know, they often are overweight. They have problems with blood pressure. They have problems with heart disease. Mm -hmm. All, but, and you know, if you, you know, all those things like that. And so one of the reasons they want to know is because there are certain health risks that people in the queer community have. Mm -hmm. and so, and, and it really, it's nothing to do with sex. Yeah. It's more being the stress of a marginalized community. Correct. Like African-Americans have certain diseases because there's a freaking lot of stress to be an Amer African-American in the United yeah. States of America. Yeah. So, you know, so those are the reasons. So I, I completely understand what you're saying that it's leaning into your community. And also, I wonder also to supporting your community as best right. as an as a as a personal trainer. Yes, absolutely. And that's and that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that I am readily available to my queer community first and foremost. Like let them know, hey, I'm out here. You need help, come to me. I got you. And I, you know, I love you. And it's gonna be a great time. And I understand at least part of don't fully understand but I can understand and relate with some of the yeah some of some of the issues you might be going through and some of the barriers you might be you know battling with so I definitely say you know lean into your community let them know that you're out there you know show them love show them show them options I even um recently went to a, a queer event and I was there and I was like you know what would be fun if like on certain mornings, like I just held like little short, like miniature workouts before you go to the pool party or before you go to whatever, just like a quick workout and then go about your day because why not? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of us out here that are like, man, 
I would love to just, you know, get a little pump in or like get a little jog on or something. You know, I want to move my body real quick, but you're in a party space, you know, or we're trying to be well, social yeah, in this times, aspect. Well, yeah. And a lot of times in the queer community, um, it's focused on par- like parties. Exactly. And, and drinking. And so finding other spaces, well, you know, a lot, like there's a big movement to have like sober spaces in the queer community yes. now because a lot of people want to be sober. Yeah. And so, you know, having other opportunities for people to get together because we mm-hmm. need, and especially, um, especially like where you live in the state of Florida, where there's been a lot of stress against the queer community, having spaces where people can get together and interact. And actually when you work out, so like I've always been most successful in my working out is when I've done group classes. Mm-hmm. I, that, I'm just, that's just me. That's yeah. who I am. And, and lifting weights. That's when yeah. I'm successful. So I, and I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the community. And so I guess, yes. you know, I think other, I think having places like that for our community would be wonderful. Lana. So I, I agree. Thank you so much for being on here today. It was uh-huh. a great, great conversation. Thank Name you. your business and how people can find you. All right. Once again, Intentional Spectrum Fitness. You can find me online at Intentional SF. So we just cut the spectrum fitness to sf.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. Same thing, intentional sf. Any, 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 any areas that you're trying to find me in, just intentional sf is where it's the quickest to get to my information. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All right, Lana. Thank you so much for spending this last 45 minutes with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.